Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to bring you the latest on our favorite NBA team, one of the best NBA teams, Miami Heat. Real quick before getting into it, uh, just quick apology, I didn't get the episode out on the usual time, like around Tuesday. Um, got a call into work, didn't have the time, so I couldn't do it Tuesday, didn't have the time yesterday to do it. So ended up having to do it today, but I think in the end it kind of worked up for the better <laughs> because um, with the game against the Hawks on Wednesday, that was Miami's 41st game of an 82-game season, which made it kind of nice to be like an actual halfway point of the season to do this. So all good in the end, but uh, let's move on with the show now. For Miami, to recap the last week, they finished up their what was supposed to be a season-worst uh, seven-game road trip. Again, the San Antonio game got postponed because of... COVID-related issues, so it became a six-game road trip, and the Heat finished up on 4-2 and two with a perfect 3-0 week last week. Starting off, we had a game against the Portland Trailblazers. This was one where, unfortunately, uh, Damian Lillard, the star for the Trailblazers, went down with some sort of um, abdominal injury before the game. Turns out he needs surgery. Obviously, wishing him all, all the best. I never wish ill on other players, and from what I've seen, Lillard's a good guy, but for the game that night, uh, my, yeah, it was a big advantage for Miami, and they rode it to a 115-109 to win. This is also a game that we saw the return of Duncan Robinson and Max Struess from health and safety protocols. So, yeah, as you recall, Miami spent about the first three weeks of December missing half their roster because of injury, and then about the last week through the first of December and through the first weeks of January, the other half of the roster went down with COVID. But for Miami, didn't make too much of a difference overall. They have the what I will continue to argue is the coach of the year, Eric Spolstra. I'm going to say that at least once every week going forward now. But he weathered, him and the team completely weathered that storm. Again, 3-0 week, so great. But, sorry, go back to the game. Duncan Robinson and uh, Max Struess came back. Struess got the starting nod over Robinson, which is kind of interesting because that's been a point of debate among Heat fans whether or not you should start Struess or Robinson because they do, as I see it, they fulfill similar roles in the sense that both are primarily just run around, shoot, shoot confidently, and shoot a lot. Uh, and then really the only difference is I see personally is just um, Robinson can have a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes. I think that's why he was in a slump earlier in the year. He's getting out of it now, but Struess shoots very confidently. So I, I can understand. And also Struess is a bit more of a dribble threat versus Robinson, who that's still an expanding part of his game. Um, so with Jimmy Butler still out of the lineup, I understand having putting Struess out there as more of like the dribble threat instead. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised like once Butler gets back, we get Robinson on. But uh, again, I digress. Back to the game. So return to uh, Duncan Robinson, Max Drews, that's great. Miami got out to an early lead. They were up in the first quarter, 30-23. to 23. Just, you know, good little... Um, a lot of it was actually, sorry, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was absolutely killing it. Uh, they built upon their lead in the second half, uh, sorry, second quarter, and all was going well until about a minute 40 left where uh, Kyle Lowry got a second technical foul. He had gotten one like two or three minutes beforehand. And th- this ref, like, I, I have listened to arguments and have seen valid points in the sense of like, this is a ref, you know, tr- a young ref trying to prove himself, and Kyle Lowry was in his ear a lot that game. But on the flip side of it, Kyle Lowry got a technical foul because he, you know, casually underhand threw a ball at the ref, maybe with a little bit of force, not really, but like, the ref was pretty quick to draw. 
regardless, the end result was Kyle Lowry got ejected from the game, and he was killing it at that point. Seven points, two rebounds, nine assists. Uh, not great efficiency, one of four from the field, one of three from three, four of four from the line, though, but nine assists in the first half. That is incredible. Like, it was an, it was another vintage, just Kyle Lowry just being a playmaking god out there. Um, and then the Heat would have to go without that in the second half because now he's ejected for the game. So it was a little bit of tension. Uh, you know, Miami was still up big, 58-47 at halftime, but a little tension going into the second half, which the Blazers did take advantage of. Uh, specifically, like, they, they were able to chip away at Miami's lead. What was an 11-point lead became a 3-point lead. It was um, Heat were only up 83-80 going into the 4th, and it was a tie game at 90 early in the 4th. So, you know, starting to get a little sweaty at that point. But then the Heat went on a 15-2 run to put that game away. Um, and then in the last minute, Tyler Hero also got ejected because there was some pushing and stuff involved with him and Nurkic. And in Nurkic for the Blazers. And in a little bit of a similar sense to what happened earlier with um, uh, Nikola Jokic and Markeith Morris, like, Tyler Hero did not need to do that foul. At the very least, he just did, like, a two-hand shove which to a big guy like Nurkic is is meh. Like it, it obviously it's bad. It draws a technical foul. It ended in an ejection. But it's not like he was throwing an elbow into Nurkic's spine and knocking him out for thirty games. So at least there's that. Um, but nah, bad ejection by Hero. Uh, just fortunate that it was a minute with the game already out of out of hand and a Heat win secured. But I, I don't like to see players getting ejected because they get too heated. But uh, moving on from that, though, like, like I said, just try to go over some of the stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, real quick, Tiro, before he got ejected, not a bad game. 16 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Not very efficient, though. 5 of 23 from the field. Like He got, he definitely had a trouble, looked like, getting to certain spots um, specifically. Uh, 2 of 9 from the 3-point line, 4 of 4 from free throw. So, like, you know, the stroke's still good. He just couldn't get into any sort of rhythm. Uh, and just couldn't get to any of the, the usual spots that he gets to. Uh, but moving on, though, yeah, big one this game was actually Max Struess. He he did clear the COVID protocols Monday when the Heat were going against the Warriors. I guess just maybe between, like, travel or just conditioning, he ended up not playing, but he made his return tonight. <laughs> Finished with 25 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 9 of 17 from the field. 7 of 13 from 3, and had a huge fourth quarter. So that 15-2 run, 9 of those points from that 15-2 run was Max Struess doing back-to-back-to-back threes. So big reason why Miami was able to pull out that win in the end. Also joining Struess back to the starting lineup, P.J. Tucker, who did play uh, Monday against the Warriors, but that was in a six-man role, just trying to get some conditioning under him. Like, he literally flew in that day to um, Golden State and then played. But returned to the starting lineup tonight, did a really, really solid job. Cannot, like, P.J. Tucker might be, obviously he's not the biggest signing for, for the Heat that, that's going to be Kyle Lowry, but in terms of, like, low-key really efficient signings just across the league, P.J. Tucker might be one of the best. Um, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 3-8 from the field, 1-2 from 3, 7 of 12 from the free throw line, and with Kyle Lowry going down, he did almost like a point bait. Like, they pretty much like, all right, P.J. Tucker, we're just going to use you kind of like we do Bam Adebayo. You're going to do handoffs, you're going to uh, screen and roll, 
You're going to operate out of the high post. Just Again, stuff that we usually attribute to Bam Adebayo, P.J. Tucker was pulling off instead, and he was like their playmaking hub in the second half to help weather the loss of Kyle Lowry. Additionally, other players that stepped up, again, I got to keep shouting them out, Omir Yurtseven, 14 points, 16 rebounds, continues to be a double-double machine, and four assists. He keeps evolving. Like, first it was just, all right, cool, can you, can you clean glass? Great. Now it's starting to get to the point of, like, all right, can you also do a little playmaking? Oh, you can. That's amazing. Uh, but he did this 5-9 and nine from the field, 1-1 one of one from 3. So he's even able to shoot threes. We saw it in the Summer League, have not seen it yet in any of the actual like games this season, which is fair given, you know, he's a rookie and that, that can be a lot. I mean, shoot, we have a hard time getting Bam out of Ohio to, to try to take threes. So I can understand you're being a little hesitant. But yeah, took that, knocked it. I think, I want to say that that was at the end of, near. it was like right near the end of the game that he knocked down that three. So a little, like right on the edge of garbage time, but whatever, you take it. I'm going to take um, my center starting to expand his range. Uh, let's try to finish that up. Three of five from the free throw line. But yeah, he stepped up big playmaking, especially in the second half alongside P.J. Tucker. And then, yeah, knocked down that three in the fourth to help put that game away. Uh, lastly on here I have for shout-outs, Duncan Robinson. Yeah, returned that day. Got to, to shout him out, see how he did. Uh, 12 points, four rebounds, no assists. Did that on four of seven from the field, four of six from three because... Um, oh, yeah, and also doing it in only 17 minutes off the bench. But, yeah, four or six from three. So, phenomenal. He has a little bit of, an, I think, an easier time coming off the bench just from the standpoint of now he gets to play against, you know, second stringers and other bench players versus having, like, the some of the best defenders in the league and starting lineups hounding him the entire time. So, Robinson feasted on that a little bit in, in a bit of a small sample size. But it was also his first game back, so you don't want to push him too hard. But turned out great, and obviously Heat win. Um, lastly, just for as a team, Heat shot 19 of 41 for the three-point line, good for 46%. Um, and then they had nine different players that made at least one three, so great. And, yeah, I didn't realize now that I've talked a lot about this Blazers game when really the one that I, I need to be spending the most, should have been spending the most time on, was the Suns game. They went in to the league-best Phoenix Suns and what I thought was just going to be a blowout, toss-away loss, and instead they beat the brakes off the Suns, winning 123-100. to but Yeah, I'll dive into that now. So yeah, back and forth first half of the first quarter until eventually the Heat were able to take a small league to finish out the first quarter, up 33-29. to in the second quarter, they outscored the Suns by 17, just absolutely taking it to them from all parts of the court. They had, um, at the end of the second quarter, they had a 71-50 to halftime lead, in large part behind Tyler Hero dropping 14 points in that second quarter. And just, yeah, completely busting out of whatever slump he was having for like the, the first part of the week with Sacramento, Golden State. Um, and then the Trailblazers, like we mentioned earlier, uh, in the second half, though they had the the Heat had the lead as high as about twenty seven. But the Suns, the Suns are a good team, and you knew that they were going to make a run to try to make this competitive at some point. They started to make that run near the end of the third quarter, where they closed out the third quarter on an eight zero run. It still put them down a lot. They were down ninety eight to seventy nine at the time. But they were moving in the right direction, and they continued when they started the fourth quarter on an 8-2 run, which chipped the lead down to 13, and yeah, kind of like with the Trailblazers before, like you start to sweat a little bit. It's like, okay, this team, 
they've now between the two quarters they've done a 16 to 2 run like they've cut this down a lot and it's going in that direction however Miami took a timeout and when they came out they went on a 7-0 run uh, in large part behind two Duncan Robinson threes and yeah at that point the, the game was put away it was back up 20 at that point so they just coasted for the rest of the game to what was I think arguably Miami's most impressive win of this season I still go back to that Bucks game uh, that they hosted and say that that might be the most important win just because they keep jostling for position with the Bucks specifically and having that tiebreaker is really important but to go into Phoenix still down your two best players it's like still down Butler still down Bam uh, still down a few other players that they still don't have Deadman they still don't have Vincent because they're going to come back uh, in the next game but yeah and they beat the brakes off of the best team in the league that is impressive there's no other way to describe it but insanely impressive if not the most impressive but uh to go over some of the players that really stood out in the game tyler hero huge game 33 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. So all over the stat sheet in that one. And on efficiency too. 12 of 20 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 6 of 6 from the line. He, he We already mentioned the 14 points he had in the second quarter. In the fourth quarter, he had 12 points as well to kind of help put all that away. He was able to get a few dunks. Um, this, like Really, think about that. Tyler Hero was dunking on fools in this game. I I think it's, I think a lot of things about Hero, I think of the confidence, I think of the shooting and things like that. I don't think of the athleticism to just yam on a motherfucker and throw him on a poster. But that's the kind of shit that was going on Saturday. But yeah, in addition to Robinson, Max Struess, again, still starting over Duncan Robinson. Uh, Struess went 14 points, 4 rebounds, 0 assists, Solid 5 of 9 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3-pointers, so continued to shoot really well. Uh, moving on, Kyle Lowry, 14 points, 2 rebounds, 13 assists. So, you know, the Lowry double-double with assists. Uh, solid efficiency, 5 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line. Just continued to be that steadying, playmaking presence for the team and letting others like Hero, Robinson, Struess shine. Uh, Duncan Robinson still off the bench this game as well. I can't believe I look, overlooked that. But 27 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist on 9 of 17 from the field, 8 of 16 from 3-point. I think he had another one either a week or two ago that was also an 8 of 16 from 3 game. Uh, 1 of 1 from the free throw line, but he did it in 29 minutes, though he did close most of the second half. So kind of like what we saw with with. Hero in previous times where sure he's coming off the bench in a six man but he's usually the one that closes games out it's kind of the same thing with Robinson this one where sure Robinson came off the bench but he was the one that ended up closing and yeah to fun fun stat for the night the heat bench scored 65 points of that 60 came from Hero and Robinson so yeah, the two of them were were the highlight of the night, and they're coming off the bench. So, like that's just cr still crazy to think about for me. Uh, finishing this up though, let's see, Struess, Lowry, yeah, Yurt seven again. Another shout out for Yurt seven. Seven points, sixteen <laughs> rebounds, and eight assists. Like this dude. Like sure, the the scoring part of this is still very raw. He can't quite get like double double points, but I mean he's a rookie. That's kind of fair. 
Uh, I think the offensive and the scoring part can come along, but he's showing re- like he already has clash cleaning. He, if I if I see Yurt with a with double digit rebounds, it's not even surprising anymore. The assist part is still surprising, and I hope this is something that they can kind of grow in his game. But like I mentioned, the 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 efficiency with scoring is still not quite there. Two of eight from the field, three or four from the free throw line, um, but. You know, what really can you complain when this guy a month ago was not even getting, you know, minutes? Like, he was having a hard time breaking into the rotation, even with all the injuries. It got to the point that the injuries forced Spo to play Yurt. And now he has been able to expand Yurt's role to, like, glass cleaner, um, assist person, like, playmaker, pick and roll. Like, the, the dude continues to expand his role and it's just incredible. Again, it's another incredible development story for the Miami Heat. But to finish up the Suns game, uh, this was a game that the Heat shot really well. 22 of 44 from three-point, which is good for 50%. Some of the other shooters that did a really good job, P.J. Tucker, 3 of 5, and Caleb Martin, 2 of 4. So, yeah, Miami's, I think, arguably their most impressive win of the season. Uh, but to finish up the week... They were at the Hawks, and then finish up their road trip as well. They were at the Hawks on Wednesday. It was a game that they won 115-91, to so smacked the mess out of them too. This game was the return of Dwayne Dedman and Gabe Vincent. So at this point, we're pretty much just down Butler, Adebayo, and then um, some of the ones that have been out for a long time already, like Markeith Morris and uh, Victor Oladipo. But return to Deadman, return to Vincent, love to see it. Uh, this was a really rough start for the Miami Heat this game, though. They didn't score their first points uh, until almost four minutes had gone in the first quarter. They were down 8-0 at the time. They were down like 2-13 to at one point as well. But they were able to start chipping away at it and get back into things. Uh, it really picked up once they got Tyler Hero in. Hero finished with 8 points, 3 assists in the first quarter. And the Heat were only down 21-27. to It's not too bad. 6-point deficit at the end of the first quarter, perfectly manageable. Into the second quarter, though, things got really tight. And there was a, a you know some back and forth with lead changing going on. But eventually Miami pulled away at the end of the quarter to take a 5-point lead, 56-51 to at halftime. Again, primarily behind Tyler Hero's stellar play. Um, in that quarter, he finished with 8 points, 5 assists. So, yeah, 16 points, 8 assists in the first half alone. And a big reason why Miami went from down 11 to up 5. But once the second half started, that's when things got really out of hand for the Hawks. Max Drews came out, started a he self-started an 8-0 run. So he scored all 8 points to start the third quarter. So the Hawks, you know, at that point they're down 13. They're like, ah, okay, let's take a timeout. Let's take a timeout. Cool. Let's, let's just, just get everybody to calm down and get some Gatorade, wipe some sweat off. All right, cool. Are you ready to go wrap in? Try to, try to get this back. Cool. And they went right back out and they got smacked again with another 8-0 run to put um, Miami up 21 at that point. And then just the rest of the quarter was just pretty much trading blows. Uh, the Heat, Hawks were able to just so slightly chip away. Um, it was 86-67, so only up 19 versus the 21 at the end of that run. Whatever. Uh, but then the fourth quarter, Atlanta did try a... They went on like a 7-0 run like really early. I think it might have gotten it to, to 14 or 13. But kind of like what we saw with the Suns before, the Heat just pushed it right back, and eventually it never got below double double digits, and it just was a blowout win where Miami won by 24. And since that game last night, 
the Hawks have now looks like they might uh, they might just be punting on the season at this point where they're starting to trade people. So darn, don't you just hate it when you have a team that just lucks out into in getting the Knicks in the first round and the Sixers in the second round. So then because they have those two weak teams, they can make it to the the finals and they look really good and then they come back. And then reality starts to set in a little bit. And I, I love some of the players on this Hawks teams, but they clearly overperformed last year and lucked out into a good playoff schedule. So I didn't understand why everybody was, was going crazy over them in the offseason. And it shows now because they're, they're like kind of semi-blowing up their team. But finish off, that, that's for the Hawks to, fans to discuss um, I'm sorry for y'all. Wish you could be Heat fans like the rest of us. But <laughs> for this game to finish it up, Tyler Hero did a phenomenal job. Outplayed Trey Young. So we're, I, I include that because um, the, the, there was the quote at the beginning of the season, Hero comparing himself to Doncic and Young, uh, saying he wants to be on their level. And this was another game where he was at Young, if not exceeding Young's level. Hero finished with 21 points, 9 rebounds, 11 assists, so just one rebound short of the triple-double, which is nice, but you always want the win first. But for Hero, um, not his most efficient night, 9-19 from the field, 1-6 of six from 3, so that point wasn't that shot wasn't falling too well. 2-2 two, two from the line, though, and really he did most of his damage in the first half, that 16-point, 8-assist first half that just kind of helped settle everything, and then it just took some hot shooting in the second half, and to just finish that off. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, like I said, he made his return. He came off the bench and ate, and played about 18 minutes, which makes sense from a conditioning standpoint. Only did six points, but still eight rebounds. 2-2 uh, from the field, 2-2 from the line. So hyper-efficient, getting rebounds, lots of energy. Saw You saw a lot of, like, what what we expect from Dwayne Dedman. So it doesn't look like... I don't think there's there's much of any rust at all for, for him in terms of just coming back from the injury. Um, Gabe Vincent came back from health and safety protocols, 20 minutes in his return, so maybe a little conditioning as well. Uh, 14 points, zero rebounds, two assists, five of eight from the field, four of seven from three. So he had some really good shooting from three. And I think kind of like with Robinson, getting to come off the bench probably helped as, yeah, he's going against other bench players. Uh, Omir, you're at seven. I got always still still doing really good across the board. 13 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Uh, six to nine from the field, one to one from the free throw line. So really, kind of great all around game for Yurt. Uh, overall, this is a game that Heat had seven players in double digits uh, points. So just everybody was getting buckets essentially, um, which makes sense because the Hawks defense is not good at all, especially when you have to put Trey Young out there. But overall, not their best shooting night actually. I should should have taken that back from earlier. But they did have some hot shooting in the second half to kind of prop it up. Overall, though. Uh, shot 16 of 45 from three, which is good for 36%. Um, a good amount of that came from, like, Vincent. Uh, and then also Struess. Yeah, three of six for Struess. And then P.J. Tucker, two of five. Tucker continues to be either near the top or at the top of the league in terms of three-point percentage. It's like 47% or something around there. It is low volume, but it's absurdly high efficiency. So... Given given that not everybody can take 10 three-point attempts a game, having somebody like Tucker that can go 2 of 4, 2 of 5, really valuable. But overall, and just a great, great week for Miami. It's always great when you have an undefeated week. And yeah, with that Hawks game, we are now officially at the halfway point of the season. 
So now that we have reached the halfway point of the season, it is time to wax poetic about the Miami Heat and how fucking awesome they have been in this first half. So currently the Heat record 26-15, and 15, of which they are 12-4 and 4 at home. So they played 16 games at home overall with an insanely great record. They are 14 of 11 on the road, which is also still over 500. It's not quite as, as great as winning 75% of your games, but it's close to, like, it's like 62% on the road. It would, it's still fucking great. But just to, something to think about from this standpoint of we are at the half point of the season, and so far we have played a little over a third of our games at home and a little less than two-thirds of our games on the road. In both situations, we're over 500, which is phenomenal. But it just goes to show that, uh, obviously, you're better at home. Everybody's usually better at home. But it kind of goes to show that this second half of the season is going to be, should be easier than the first half. Because the first half, you had a lot of games against really good opponents. Uh, I know you played the Suns, at, you know, you played at Suns, at Golden State. You played the Jazz twice. You played the Grizzlies twice. Uh, so that's the top four in the West right there. And then in the East, you've done the Bucks three times, uh, the Bulls twice, the Nets once. Uh, I think that's about it for the East. My point, though, being they've had a lot of really tough games and a lot of really tough road games in the first half of the schedule. This second half, this second half should be like a cakewalk in comparison. You're going to have almost two-thirds of your two-thirds of your games at home which, yeah, 12-4 right now, and, and you've already weathered the worst part of your season where you lost Bam Adebayo, you lost Jimmy Butler, you lost half of the roster to injury, and then you lost the other half to COVID. Like, we've gotten through all that shit, and now we're sitting here just missing Butler and Bam, about to go into an extremely home-heavy half, and just, like, like again, you can't say it enough how impressive... It is that this Heat team, with all the circumstances, is in the position that they're at. Which is, again, why I say Spo for Coach of the Year. Because I can't think of any other coach outside of, like, uh, okay, maybe, so what do you say, like, Popovich? Popovich might, oh, Kerr, maybe, are about the only other coaches, I think, that could have been dealt the hand that Spolster has been dealt this year and done roughly the same job. But they're not the coach for the Heat. Popovich is coaching the Spurs and trying to make the playing team. Kerr is coaching an amazing Warriors team that has barely dealt with any adversity outside of not having Clay the first half of the year, and then like maybe some some modicums of of COVID scare. So the Warriors have had nowhere near the amount of adversity the Heat have. The Spurs have had nowhere near the success the Heat have. Um, so yeah, that's why I said like you combine the two and. I, I don't see who else even even can challenge Spo for Coach of the Year. But let's take a look at some of the stats that the, the Heat have done so far. So overall, the Heat are fifth in net rating. Fifth in net rating despite all the stuff that has happened to them. But this comprised of them being sixth in both offensive and defensive rating. So both sides of the floor, they're doing phenomenal regardless of who they have to put out there. I mean, yeah, the... That's what being top five in net rating kind of means. But um, so, yeah. so for the Heat, on the offensive end, just some fun stats to throw out there. Again, Heat, six in offensive rating, which is just kind of a measure of how efficient their offense is. But 
if you look at their points per game, it really doesn't seem that great. They're 15th in points per game across the league. But a big part of that is is always their pace. Despite having Kyle Lowry, the Heat still run at a very slow pace. It's been kind of a staple of both Spo and Butler uh, over the past few years. But 27th in pace, which gets to the point of like the, their offense is extremely efficient, uh, but part of that is because they do take a lot of time. They they like to you know pass the ball around a lot, make sure that they have that that great not good shot kind of thing. But the because that pace is so low, despite how efficient they are, it's success in the league. It explains why they're fifteenth in points per game, just because you could have a team that's not as like they could have a worse offensive rating than the Heat. But if their pace is, is, you know, top five in the league, they can put up more points per game than the Heat. But that's fine. I'm perfectly fine with being 15th in points per game as long as it's uh, top 10 in offensive rating. Uh, and again, I you can explain it just through the pace alone. But the Heat, again, are an extremely good passing team. It's one of the reasons why their offense is so efficient. Their third in assist percentage, just percentage of you know, field goals that are assisted upon. So that, that, you know, highlights right there that most of their baskets are coming off of assists or passes or setting each other up, all that good stuff. Uh, seventh in assists per game. And again, that that's brought down a little bit from the third in percentage because just because of the pace. Like if you're going at a slower pace, you're going to have reduced stats kind of across the board compared to if you were to normalize for for pace. But that's what statistics like assist percentage are supposed to do anyway. Outside of that, this is also a team that does a good job of kind of taking advantage of when other other teams mess up. So they're ninth in points off of turnovers, though they're only 21st in fast break points. And I would imagine most of that is being propped up by points off of turnovers. Like you think like the Jimmy Butler, you know, runs, pokes out the ball, runs, catches up to it, slam dunk, fast break kind of thing. Like that is both a source of fast break points and also a source of points off turnovers. So I'm a little curious what would happen if you took out points off, like any fast break points as a result of turnovers. I would imagine that they would probably be 28th, 29th in the league at that point. But that's just kind of the style Miami plays. They... Not that they don't have athletic players, but they're not the kind of players to constantly push pace and things like that. But again, I'm fine with that because the playoffs typically slow down anyway. What what really shines out to me, though, is the way that the Heat are shooting. Um, they're 12th in three-point attempts per game, so they're not quite getting an insane amount of volume up. And that, that ranking has come up in large part as a result of what the Heat had to do in December and January, where they're trying to get up 40-plus attempts per game. But the real cool thing is they're second in three-point percentage. So they're getting a you know middle to high middle of the pack in terms of attempts up, but then they're nailing them at the second-best rate in the league. That is a huge source of offense right there, and as well as efficiency as well. Um, they're not doing as great with things like free-throw attempts, so they're 23rd in free-throw attempts, but that makes sense. That rank's been dropping because you don't have Bam and you don't have Butler, who are your primary free-throw drawing-type players. Um, but they still do a great job when they shoot them, though, six in free-throw percentage, and between the free-throw percentage, the three-point percentage, and then just what they're, they're doing elsewhere on the field, um, they are fifth in true shooting in the league which, again, is a team that has been without some of their best players and just leaned heavily into three-point shooting 
and it's worked to great result. They have an extremely efficient offense because of it. So, yeah, top six offense in, uh, let's see, oh, yeah, also top six defense. So their defensive rating, again, like sixth there, um, fourth in opponents' points per game. And that, I think, comes back to, again, to the pace. Because if you're slowing down the pace on your end, then that means... So if you're you're taking up 24 seconds of the shot clock on your end every single time, it just means your opponent's going to have less time to operate, which means they have less time to score, which is how you get from 6th in defensive rating to 4th in opponent points per game. And, yeah, defense has always been the calling card of the Heat. And as much as we like to talk about the offensive stats, because they're always nice, like... The defensive is where Miami has their identity. So fourth in opponent points per game. Um, they're eighth in opponent turnovers. So they, while they don't, they're not, I think they're, what, bottom five or so in the league in terms of steals per game. They're, they're not getting most of their turnovers off of steals or things like that. They're getting most of their turnovers off of things like taking charges or forcing shot clock violations or just bad passes out of bounds, things like that. Like, things that don't show up in the stat sheet outside of opponent turnovers per game. But the other part of the defense that that it does that they do extremely well is defending the paint. They are first in opponent points in the paint, in large part because they are second in opponent field goal attempts that are less than five feet. So essentially, what I'm trying to say with those two stats combined is the Heat do one of the best jobs, like the second best job in the league, of just walling off and limiting attempts at the rim or in the paint. So, yeah, if if opponents aren't even getting those shots in there, it kind of makes sense then why they lead the league in opponent points in the paint, just because nobody's really taking shots there. Once they get there, they're like about middle of the pack, like 12, 13-ish, somewhere around there. Um, in terms of like the percentage that opponents make once they get to that area, but for the Heat, it's it's kind of like a prevent off, uh, prevent defense kind of thing. Like, cool if you get there, great. You probably got past somebody, and you're gonna get a a decent uh, percentage shot at the rim. But we're gonna keep you from getting there in the first place, and over the course of a game, we're gonna limit you tremendously with just getting to the paint. Now, another th- reason why opponents aren't really trying to, to force that issue into the paint is because the Heat do, they like, defense always has to give up something, and what the Heat are giving up is three-point attempts to, you know, decent and not-so-decent shooters. So they are 28th in opponent three-point attempts per game. So they're, like, they're pretty much saying, look, you want, we're going to wall off the paint, and we're going we're gonna to stop your best uh, perimeter shooters, Everybody else can just go off, and that, that's how you get to 28th and three-point attempts, uh, three-point attempts. But they're doing a good job of, despite all that volume they're giving up, they're only 16th in opponent three-point percentage. So while obviously you would, you would want that to improve and try, try to get up um, a little bit higher in that rank to maybe around like 10 or so, the way the system is set up right now, that it's just wall off the paint, force bad shooters to shoot and live with the results, it still like very clearly works. It's a, it's a top six defense because of it. There is some concerns once you get to the playoffs because you're going to be going against rosters that have better shooters and yada yada. But for a regular season defense, like this works. It, it clearly works. It's it's top six. Um, yeah, not, not much more to really throw out there. Um, 
But to finish up for th- for this part, so yeah, Miami top six on both ends, despite all the injury concerns and the missed time with COVID and stuff like that. And this is a team that, if you look at the standings right now, twenty six fifteen is the third seed in the East, only two games back of the first. So we're still we're still knocking on the door, first seed, despite all the stuff that's happened. Currently, that one seed is still the Bulls, but when you go right below them. And just, just only 1.5 to 3 games back. So they're still, like, not too far away from the Bulls at the first seed. In the 2 to 4 seeds, in order, Nets, Heat, Bucks. I mean, that remains the same. Uh, if we go down a little bit below that, we get to the 5-6. So the last of the guaranteed playoff spots. Uh, tied at 5-6 and six right now, 4.5 games back are the 76ers and the Cavs. So relative to Miami, that's two and a half games back of where they're at right now. So the Heat are closer to first than they are to fifth. I will take that, gladly. Um, finish off the standings, though. This, this Again, this, it's far away, but just to throw them out there, the 7th through 11th spots, everything from the play-in to one spot out of it, these are five and a half to seven and a half games back. So, you know, this is three and a half games back of where the Heat are right now, just to even get to that point, is the Hornets, Raptors, Wizards, Celtics, and then on the very out is the Knicks. Um, And then the Hawks are below that, but we're not even going to talk about them. But that's why they're selling off. But yeah, overall, like I keep trying to say, (laughs) it is just an incredible job that the Heat have done, despite the adversity that they've had this year, to remain a home court team in the playoffs. And... I mean, again, their schedule is going to get easier from here on out. So I, the Heat are quite literally at the halfway point positioned to compete for a first seed in the East. Real quick, just to finish up, because I've already, I just realized I've already gone 37 minutes. Um, I sp- spent way too much time on the games. But uh, to finish up and look ahead, let's just look at the next three games that that will be going on for the Heat. So the Hawks game signaled the end of a seven-game road trip for the Heat, which means they finally get to go home for once. This will be the start of a four-game homestand, the start of which goes against a very familiar team, the, the Atlanta Hawks on Friday. So yeah, Hawks having a home-and-home home with Miami this week. Uh, the Hawks, after the whooping we gave them last night, are 17-23. and 23. If you look at the season series... The Heat are currently up 1-0 out of a four-game season series with the Hawks, although given their trajectory and that they're trying to trade players right now, I would imagine the Hawks are just going to punt on this year, so the season series might not even matter at the end. But still an opponent, still got to take them seriously, still got to get that win. Uh, So yeah, they last played Wednesday against us, no shocker there. Uh, They are currently shopping their players, so really, they, they said the only one that they're definitely not putting on the table is Clint Capella and Trey Young, which that's fair. Um, so they're not big possibility, but there might be the possibility that, you know, th- this might be a little bit of a slightly different team that we play tomorrow. But still, I the, the, the blueprint's there. Like, put somebody that can stop Trey Young and make his life hell and then just score on this team because their defense sucks. So, given we beat the mess out of them at their arena last night and beat them so bad that they've gone into a tailspin, I don't have any indication why they would pull out this win on Friday. I think this is an easy win for the Heat. 
Um, after that, we have a back-to-back, although at home, but still a back-to-back, where we will be hosting the 76ers on Saturday. This is a 76ers team that, kind of like we mentioned, they're in like the tie for the 5-6 to six seed. They're trying to get to that upper echelon where, where the rest, where the top four of the East are. So they're definitely motivated. But 23-16, and we have a four-game season series against them, of which we are currently 1-0. So this is the second game. They will be hosting the Celtics on Friday and then getting on a plane, going to Miami to play them Saturday. Um, Really, for me, what this game comes down to is whether or not uh, Yurt and Dwayne Dedman can contain Joel Embiid. Nobody else really on the 76ers scare me. Um, I mean, like this is a team that that is currently trying to ship Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons to try to, like, you know, see if they can get off both of those contracts. But that, and that should tell you a lot about the the value of um, a player like Tobias Harris that the 76ers are willing to move on to him that easily. Uh, regardless, though, contain Joel Embiid. It is a back-to-back, but it is a home back-to-back. And the other team is also having a back-to-back where they have to go on the road. When you combine all those factors, I think this is still a solid win for the Heat. And this is this is a the... I think the most important game of this week because if they get that win, that puts them up 2-0 on the Sixers and it's similar situations that we've seen already with the Bulls and the Bucks, where you don't have to worry about that tiebreaker against a team that could be an issue at the end of the season. But overall, I I think this is a solid win for Miami. Like I'm, I'm not surprised if, if Embiid comes in and drops 35 or whatever and squeaks out a win against the Heat. Like, okay, I, that that's fine. That. It happens sometimes. But still, I think this is a solid win for, for the Heat because I don't think Embiid can do... Like, I don't think he could do enough damage to us. Like, we had that game at Philly uh, back in December with a limited roster, and we were able to pull out the win. So, all things considered, this should be a solid win for the Heat. And then, just to finish up the week, they will be hosting the Raptors on Monday. This is a Raptors team that's done a pretty damn good job. They're 20... And uh, 2017 right now, which has them, I think, at the 8th seed, although that is in the play-in tournament. Uh, we also play them four games. This is a four-game season series for them, of which this is the first game. But unless the Raptors, like, really go on a tear and the Heat really start to regress with neither the... If anything, is what the more likely one might be the Raptors going on a tear. I don't think the season series may matter this much, but, hey, y'all, y'all take as many tiebreakers as you can. Um, this Raptors team will be in the middle of a road trip when they come to us. The last game would have been the Bucks on Saturday, so they also they would have been on like the same rest schedule as the Heat, essentially. Uh, and really, like I haven't gotten to go too in depth on the Raptors, but just from the preliminary that I've gone in on them, their biggest threat <laughs> threat is Van Vliet, who has just been like literally like borderline All NBA, good case for All Star level player. However. The Heat have shown a really good propensity for dealing with these fast, kind of score-first, smaller guards, and that has been Caleb Martin. So Martin's been thrown on everybody from, like, Steph Curry to De'Aaron Fox to Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Like, he's defended all these really good scoring, quick, smaller guards. So that's why, like, I don't feel that threatened by Van Fleet specifically just because we have somebody that we can throw on him. I also think that this is a solid win for Miami. So, yeah, I'm predicting another 3-0 week for Miami, a 6-0 winning streak. Let's fucking go. 
Um, and if we can get Butler or Bam or some other people back in, in the meantime while we're doing this as well, like we're just going full party time. But that'll be all for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow the pod at Heaters Heating on Twitter and myself at KBR Heat Nation. Also, check out the other great pods we have on the OTG Podcast Network. You can find all those at otgbasketball.com or on Twitter at otgbasketball. I will be back next week, hopefully in my regular time. But until then, stay heating and have a good one, Heat Nation.